0: Good morning, everybody. I hope you've got lots of eggs in your house when the children are trying that new experiment. <laughs> and uh, also, it's just a reminder for the kids that you can go off and do your program now, and I hope you have a great time with your activities this morning. Before we pray, um, while I was getting ready this morning, I had a whole lot of thoughts coming into my mind, and I was thinking, oh, how could I incorporate that into the prayer? But I had a very strong sense that it may be actually a word for somebody so I just wanted to share that and it's during this time of isolation I've been praying and lots of people have been praying and I know a lot of people have been doing it of looking at what the future is going to be like and what changes we can make and um, I just felt that there was somebody that uh, may be thinking of a whole new career direction or a new direction for their business I'm not clear on which of those it is But um, God is saying that he wants to bring life and uh, uh, freshness to what has become stale and dry. But it's a scary thought because it is so different and so new. And uh, I just wanted to encourage you that God loves a challenge and he loves it when we come to him with what seems like an impossible task. So I have four scripture verses for you if you'd like to write them down. I'll just wait for a minute if you want to get a pen. The first one is Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19. The second one is Isaiah 43, verse 1 and 2. Matthew 19, verse 26. And 1 Peter, chapter 5, verse 7. I'll just repeat those. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. Isaiah 43 verse 1 and 2, Matthew 19 verse 26, and 1st Peter chapter 5 verse 7. And if that is something that's significant for you, if you'd like to give me a phone call, I would really love to be able to pray with you about that, but I just hope it might be an encouragement to someone who's in that place at the moment. So this morning our prayer I'm focusing on Psalm 42 Verse 1 to 5 and verse 8. So will you just close your eyes and bow your heads with me now? As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the Mighty One with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. By day the Lord directs his love, at night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. Loving Father, the souls of many of us have been downcast and disturbed during this time of isolation, but praise you, Lord, that you are with us every moment of every day and we are never alone. Your love reaches out to us constantly to encourage, strengthen and equip us for whatever the future holds. And the future holds great promise because you have a plan for each one of us, Lord, and no pandemic or anything else in all creation can stop it from coming to fruition. Help us to remember that your timing is perfect and all your ways are just. Loving Father, we thank you for your promises to us. We thank you for the way you have sustained us during this time of isolation. The end is in sight but we recognise the need to be guided by you during this time. Your word tells us to be subject to the authorities that you have placed over us, Lord. Help us to submit and be patient. Help us to resist any temptation to do things our way, to let pride or selfishness rise up. Help us in all things to live a life that honours and pleases you. Father, we thank you that this has been a time to evaluate the way we live. Help us to remember that you have given us everything we need to live life and live it to the full. Help us to keep in perspective those things that are important to hold on to and to recognise the things we need to let go of. We know that in obedience we find peace, the striving will stop, and we will know your peace and have a clearer view of the way forward. Lord, this is a time to dream dreams of what our futures could be. We pray that you will continue to give us visions and ideas, that you will strengthen your gifts in us, the gift of hope, of purpose. Please give us courage, strength and perseverance. Help us to seek your will for every aspect of our lives, our relationship with you, the relationship we have with our spouse, with our children, with our family, the relationship we have with our friends and work colleagues, for the best way to manage our finances and our time. Lord, during this time we have realised how much we need each other. In our psalm today there is a cry of remembrance of the joy experienced in being with the multitude, going to the house of God to worship with shouts of joy and thanksgiving. We feel that yearning, Lord, and we look forward to returning to our house of worship when we can all be together. Your word tells us that unity is very precious to you, as Jesus prayed on the night before he went to the cross. Increase that desire for unity in us, Lord. During this time of being apart, we can be tempted to focus on negative things. Nothing would please the enemy of our souls more than giving us I- giving in than us giving in to those negative thoughts. Bind us together through the unity of your Holy Spirit, we pray, and increase the love we have for each other. Help us to stand firm in this. Increase our faith to believe that even though we feel it is a time of great uncertainty, none of it has caught you by surprise. You are the rock of ages, the Almighty. And we thank you for the many miracles that we have seen taking place during the pandemic. Some we have recognised, some we have yet to discern. Even though we may not be able to see you working, we know that you never stop and your purposes will be fulfilled. One day we will see and be filled with wonder at all you have done during this time. One of the greatest blessings has been to see the increase in kindness and caring for each other a gift that only you can give. Lord, we thank you and look forward to all that you have in store for us. We praise you and give you all the glory in the wonderful and powerful name of Jesus. Amen.
1: Yeah,
2: fantastic. Um, You know, we we try and make uh, things... uh, transition well and, and move, move well. We're, we've been uh, planning today's service and, and Kathy last night on, the, on our running sheet where we sort of say who does what, she's got down here a live clunky transition. So there you go. We, we've accomplished that this morning. We've done what we've set out to achieve. <laughs> That's brilliant. Hey, look, it's wonderful uh, once again uh, to be able to share uh, with you. And this morning uh, is a, a, an opportunity just to really speak into uh, the situation that we find ourselves in. Um, there we go. Um, we we as a, as a church sort of uh, we're in the middle of uh, the forty days uh, when this pandemic hit. And we sort of continued that series, and, and then we've kind of worked out a few other things. And I'm just really aware that we haven't really uh, pastorally spoken into how some people might be uh, feeling, how some people might be affected by uh, this time. And so over the next two weeks, I really felt a sense from the Lord to really speak into and to encourage you uh, as you live out this this time of isolation, for some of you it has been a struggle, there have been um, trying times. Uh, for others it's just been a real uh, change and a disruption to your normal life. And so... I want to spend two weeks just really speaking into and and, and really declaring uh, how God can really uh, speak to you and minister to you in this time. And uh, really there's two ways that we've kind of uh, experienced and reacted to this. and one is the trials and for many of you the the, the trial is really real whether that be through uh, financial change, uh, not being able to celebrate with family uh, major milestones, hearing uh, perhaps overseas or friends who are, are really struggling, and so there is a, a trial. And for others, there's actually an opportunity that's actually been presented to us—an uh, opportunity to live differently, an opportunity to reprioritise. Re-prior- uh, as as Carol said in her prayer, uh, what how we're going to move on and, and be different from this time. And it's funny that the two concepts, trial and opportunity, are actually really, really linked. Because it's often in the trial that God actually brings out opportunity for us to grow and for us to discover something new about ourselves or about God that wouldn't have been uh, able to have been achieved in any other way. And often it's in the opportunity that God actually gives us that we need to step out in faith, and that's hard and that's a trial. So trial and opportunity over the next two weeks. And so this morning, I really want to speak into those who are particularly struggling, uh, particularly found this uh, time uh, difficult. I just want to encourage you and use the Word to really open up for you what God might be doing uh, in your life this morning. So before we do that, let's pray together. Lord, I just want to pray uh, right now uh, for anyone watching this who uh, is in that um, that time of perhaps trial or pain, the time of grief, a time of change that's uncertain. And Lord, I just pray that for every heart this morning, whether they be in that moment or not, Lord, that your word would go forth and do a work in their lives. So Holy Spirit, I welcome you in this place and in every home that is listening this morning. And Lord, ask that you would be doing a work in us. Uh, Lord, that your word would be transformative. uh, That people uh, in trial would be encouraged uh, in the process of this and what you're doing. And that they would see you as a faithful God who loves them, who is there in the trial with them, uh, guiding them and supporting them. And I just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, it is very much our human nature to avoid things that we don't like, isn't it? I mean, it's very much our human nature to, to run away from things that we don't like. I mean, unless you're a, a crazy person, perhaps a bit mentally not there, you don't go seeking out pain, you don't go seeking out misfortune. And we see this from a, a very early age uh, in, in a human life. and In fact, we see it in my kids' A lot, and one example of that is at mealtime. They will try to avoid new sorts of food every time. We try and make new meals, like Joe and I like, you know, experimenting and having this. And we tell the kids this is what's for tea, and they try to avoid it at all costs. In fact, if they could just have spaghetti bolognese and bangers and mash just on rotation, I'm sure that they'd be happy for the rest of their life. So we As humans, try to avoid things that we don't like. And that's certainly true uh, in my life, and I'm sure it's true in your life. One area where this is certainly true and uh, for me is that I have discovered that I don't like conflict. Uh, Conflict is something that I try to avoid at all costs. And it was something that, as Joe and I did the marriage course for the first time uh, many years ago, and hello to all of you who are doing the marriage course with us right now. I trust that you will also gain some wonderful insights uh, into your life. But one of the things that God showed me through the course the first time was the actual realisation that I, I run from conflict. Um, I, I try to avoid it at all costs. I discovered it then, but it was probably... Uh, true that Joe realized this long before I did, and it was through the course that we found that out. But here's the thing. Unless I learnt to handle that conflict well, unless I, even though I try to run from it, unless I actually am in it and handle it well, then my ability to live a healthy life is, is limited. Um, and certainly to experience a healthy marriage would be... Um, would be a stumble, stumbling because of not actually engaging, uh, with conflict in a healthy way. And so it's our human nature to avoid the things we don't like. And we can see this in a practical sense, like conflict, or for you, it might be something else and you might be coming to mind right now what that thing is. But it's, it's the same in our spiritual lives. You know, we try to avoid things in our spiritual lives that we don't like. Uh, We try to avoid things that we know uh, are called upon ourselves as disciples to follow Jesus uh, that we might believe to be true, but we just want to hold them at a distance because we don't want to fully engage in them. And I'm aware that there are certain scripture passages that we try to avoid. Now, confession time. There are statements in the Bible that I don't particularly like that I try to avoid. Uh, But, like conflict, unless I engage with these passages, unless I learn from them, unless I grow in maturity from them, unless I wrestle with them, then uh, I consequently don't actually receive the full, complete measure of what God wants to do in my life through Scripture, through the lessons of Scripture. And so the passage I want to look at today Uh, is one of those uh, passages. But the passage itself answers a question, and it's a question that many of us ask in many parts of our lives. And it might be a question that you are asking right now. And the question is this. What do we do when there's nothing we can do? What do we do when there's nothing we can do? When... uh, we like to control things, and when, when all control is taken away from us, when, when a situation is placed in our laps, in our lives, and there's actually nothing that we can do, what do we do in that time, in that trial? And so we're going to ex- and explain a little bit about that. So I want to turn to James Chapter one. If you've got your Bibles, feel free to open that because we're going to be looking at the passage as we go. Now, I absolutely love James. I remember um, when I was young, I worked at an orchard um, picking fruit. And I remember one lunchtime just reading through James and just being blown away at how blatant he is, how he just says it how it is. I love love the way he um, approaches things. And James, after giving a couple of opening remarks, says these words to us. Consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters. Okay, I'm liking this. This is good. I like joy. Yep, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. He's going to give us something that is going to be right for us. Yes, let's go, James. Consider it pure joy. Dear brothers and sisters, Whenever you face trials of many kinds. Okay, now I don't like it. Uh, now I don't want to engage with this. What do you mean to consider it pure joy when we face trials? I mean, that just seems you know, counterintuitive to uh, life, to the way we exist. How on earth can we find joy in trial? How can we find pure joy whenever we face trials of many kinds. Come on, James, you don't know my situation. You don't know what's happening in this time uh, for me in my life. You don't know my financial situation, my relational situation. You don't know the situation that I'm feeling as part of uh, this COVID-19 right now. You you can't speak into this. This can't be, be true. Well, it can be. James, the brother of Jesus, was the leader of the Jerusalem church for almost 30 years. And James, being the leader of the church in Jerusalem, was very used to persecution and he was very used to isolation in many ways because the Jewish church was one of the most isolated uh, at that time. Uh, they, they weren't able to have temple worship. They were sort of put off from, uh, from being able to be supported. Their poor wasn't supported. And so James is leading a church, uh, a community that was really isolated and that was really a community in crisis. And so for 30 years, James uh, led this community. And it is James out of that context of a community of isolation, of, of crisis, Uh, of persecution and trial that James writes, consider it pure joy uh, when we find ourselves in many trials. So what is he actually saying? Because on the surface, I don't like this at all. First of all, he says, consider it pure joy. Don't let your first response to a crisis, don't let your first response to trial be a reaction to it. But he encourages us to step back, to reframe things, to ponder, to rethink the situation from a different perspective. So rather than first reaction is, whoa, what's going on? No, consider it. Let's just take time to pause. Let's just take time enough to think. Yes, this is hard, but what is God doing through it? First of all, consider it. The second thing is he says, whenever you face trials. Now, here's an encouragement for you. It's not if you face trials. It's not on the off chance that a trial comes. It's not maybe sometime in your life. Whenever you face trials, it is inevitable in life that we will face difficulty. And so, um, first of all, let's just get rid of that um perhaps Christian idea that's out there that uh, as soon as we come to faith, we're immune from all trouble and that um, we can overcome and just push through everything and no uh, calamity or, or trial will be upon us. That's, that's false. That's not part of the gospel. That's not the New Testament teaching. The New Testament teaching is that uh, in the trial, uh, in the difficulty, we actually learn something about ourselves and about God. And so we might not like trials. We might do our best to avoid them, and we do in our lives. We set our lives up in a way that we would avoid them at all costs. But regardless of how much we try and run from the trials, uh, they find us. So whenever you face trials. Now, interesting Greek word here, face. Whenever you face trials trials of many kinds. The Greek word here uh, is a word that d- describes being taken by, su- by surprise. Whenever you are surprised by circumstance, uh, and boy has 2020 been a surprise for many of us. Uh, things have come up that we had not planned. Uh, things are different to how we expected them to be at the start of the year. So are you surprised what's happening around you right now, then you are facing a trial. You are being surprised by it. So whenever we are surprised by situations that are out of our control, that you can't do anything about it, consider it pure joy. Consider it pure joy. Now what does he say in that? Well, he goes on. He says, because you know. So Obviously, we know <laughs> because you know. We're aware of something here that we've, we've lost sight of. And sometimes in the trial, we actually lose sight of what we actually know. He says, because you know that the testing of your faith, the testing of your faith. Now, what is a test? Uh, if we think about a test, a test is something that um, proves how real something is. If we've got a, a science experiment like Kerry would be doing, we have a hypothesis and we say we believe this to be true and we're going to prove it to be true by putting it through a test. And so a test actually is the process by which we prove the authenticity of something. So the trials are the experiences and are the the testing of how authentic our faith is, isn't it? If we think about a test, what it does is it uncovers how real or authentic something is. And it's saying here, because we know the testing of what? Our faith. What is our faith? Our faith is our confidence in God. Our faith uh, is our Understanding of of who we are in the light of what He has done for us and what He has promised for us. And so, the testing of our faith, our trials expose the authenticity of our confidence in God. I'll say that again our trials expose the authenticity of our confidence in God. In these times, we discover what we truly believe what we really, really believe. Perhaps we discover what we pretended to believe. Perhaps we discover what we were taught as a child and never really took on as an adult. Put it this way. When circumstances break down around us, the artificial, counterfeit, non-authentic faith breaks down along with it. I'm going to say that again. When circumstances break down around us, the artificial, counterfeit, non-authentic faith breaks down along with it. Now, you might have perhaps seen this uh, in yourself, or seen it happen to others around you. I know, certainly in in my life, have seen many who have um, professed faith, but then when trial has come. Uh, They have given up that faith because the trial has exposed whether that faith was genuine or real or not. And so what James is saying is he says that there's actually a real joy in discovering how genuine and real your faith is. There is joy, pure joy, in actually making that discovery But here's here's the thing, sometimes we'll never, ever make that discovery unless our faith is tested, unless we actually come through the trial. Warren uh, Worshke says this, he says, A faith that can't be tested can't be trusted. A faith that can't be tested can't be trusted. And so James says, to consider it pure joy, to, 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 to sit, sit back and go, what am, what am I in now? Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces something. Not only do we discover something about our faith, not only does it uncover something about our faith, But it produces something in us. What does it produce? It produces perseverance. Amazing. And we know that perseverance is what we need when we're in the midst of the trial. So what is perseverance? It's the ability to hold up under stress. It's the ability to keep going despite all odds. I'm actually going to come back to that word perseverance in a moment. But he goes on to say, let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. Now I don't know about you, but I long to be mature and complete and not lacking in anything. How how does that fruit, how is that produced in us? It is produced by letting the perseverance finish its work. In other words, if we leave the lesson too early, if we try and avoid the trial that we're in by escaping it, we'll actually miss the process in which God is wanting to teach us something. The process is in which God is wanting to develop perseverance in us. The process in which God wants to use to actually grow and mature us to complete maturity, not lacking in anything. So don't avoid it, but rather let perseverance finish its work. Now this is why I don't particularly like this verse. Uh, What it's saying is that God is doing something in the midst of my trial that I can't discover any other way. Unless I go through this trial, I will never experience or gain something in myself, uh, a knowledge and understanding, uh, character development, that I would not be able to get any other way. Now, I want to I run from trial. I, I don't want to experience it. Can't I have a genuine, authentic faith that is real, that produces perseverance without having to go through this? No, I can't. There's no other way. And that's hard. But the end result is that I am changed for the better. Uh, Last week uh, on Mother's Day, and wasn't Mother's Day a a wonderful service hearing from from many uh, of the women in our church, but Beck Tellerman used this verse uh, to share her story. And she was talking about the, um, the NIV translates it perseverance, but some would translate it patience or steadfastness. And Beck talked about being steadfast in her parenting, but also how the trial, the difficulty, the, the, the struggle of being a mum is actually what brought about in her a new understanding of her identity, of who she was in Christ, that steadfastness that comes uh, from actually going through all of that confusion, all of that unscrambling of what she experienced in her life. And she said it so beautifully. And so for her, here is an example of something that she has gained through the trial that she would not have been able to obtain in any other way. As I've been preparing uh, for the message, um, I've been trying to think of a similar experience that that I've I've had and and where I've uh, learnt from something. And nothing was really coming to me. And yesterday I woke up and Facebook gives you memories of things that you've posted uh, in previous years, and yesterday was six years to the day that my wife posted this memory and tagged me in, and she's put and she put this picture up uh, in in the post six years ago yesterday. Until God opens the next door, praise Him in the hallway. And she posted this post because at that time I was uh, ending my previous um, life of ministry at the previous church that I was a part of. And for me, this was actually a very difficult time in my life. It was a trial that was quite painful. It was a trial that um, I didn't want to go through. It was a trial that I wanted to avoid. Uh, it was a trial that brought about a lot of uh, um, mental um, questioning in my mental health. I was quite depressed. Uh, It was a time uh, in my previous church where finances were so that they couldn't um, uh, keep me any longer. And here we were out of a job with five children at the time, I think, (laughs) or maybe four. Four children at the time, um, not certain about what my future would hold. And here I was as someone who believed in the call of God on my life, who believed that God had called me into ministry. And here I was left uh, with nothing, with no potential uh, future, no potential ministry. And I found that really, really hard. And I wanted to run as far away from God as I could because I didn't want to face it. And I uh, was quite depressed. But it was through that time... And it was through the time of not actually having anything uh, on the cards for my future that God reminded me that He had called me and that He has a purpose for me and He has a future for me. And whilst I was looking for jobs in all sorts of places, I wanted to be a gardener, I wanted to start my own business, I didn't want to have anything to do with ministry. I was done. I was finished. Thank you very much. I was reminded that I can't run from this, that God was actually teaching me something through this, that he actually had a future and a plan uh, beyond this time. And whilst it was difficult, whilst it was hard, I learnt something about myself, I learnt something about my faith, I learnt something about my confidence in God that I would not have learnt if I had have stayed where I was. I had to go through that process to learn something about his faithfulness, to learn something about his purposes, to learn something about his call, that I would not have learnt and I would not be who I am today without having gone through that process. And I am so in awe, as I am aware of so many other people in the Christian life of faith who have been through so much worse than that, who have been through great tragedy, who have been... Uh, through great trials, but they have something in them that testing of their faith has developed in them a confidence in God that is so real and that is so true that it can't be, it is un, <laughs> unswervingly real. In fact, there are some people in our congregation who are going through significant health issues right now. And after I get off the phone with them, I am so inspired by their faith that even though they face these things, obviously they have uh, let the testing of their faith in some part of their life finish its work because in them is uh, a faith that is steadfast. They have that patience and they have that perseverance. In fact, uh, when it comes to that word, perseverance. Uh, William Barclay in his his commentary on this passage says that uh, the word there is hapone, hapomi, something like that anyway. (laughs) And he says that the authorised version translates the word patience, but patience is far too passive a word for it. This word is not simply the ability to bear things, it is the ability to turn them into greatness and glory. In fact, he suggests that the word shouldn't be uh, perseverance or patience. It should be closer to what Beck talked about in steadfastness. He says he translates the word as unswerving constancy. Unswerving constancy. And as I get off the phone uh, with people in, in crisis, I see an unswerving constancy in their lives that I am just inspired by. And blown away by, here are people who have gone through the test of faith and that's developed unswerving constancy and that has finished its work in them so that even though they face great, great difficulties that I'm not facing, here they are declaring the goodness of God. Here they are declaring uh, the favor of God. The, the truth of what God has for them, the hope for the future that is before them. Unswerving constancy. Now, sometimes, and we've got to be real, sometimes it's actually hard to see how God is actually working in the trial. Uh, we can give examples of, of how people have come out of it. But perhaps for you right now, you are right in the midst of something that is incredibly difficult and you can't see what God is doing. You can't see how there's going to ever going to be a lesson that's going to come out of this. You can't ever see how this is going to grow your faith. You can't ever see how the, the finished work is going to enable you to have character of unswerving constancy. Can I appeal to you to continue to read this passage Because if that is you, James says, if anyone, if any of you lacks wisdom, in other words, if any of you are are blinded, if any of you are in the midst of this and can't see a way out, if you can't see the way God is working, if you lack wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. And That comes back to that first uh, point of consider. Just stop for long enough to pray and to ask for God to give you a new perspective, for God to be showing you as he sees things, not perhaps as you see them, that you would uh, be granted that wisdom to see whatever you are facing right now, God is actually choosing to use it to demonstrate authenticity of faith and to produce in you unswerving constancy, perseverance, patience, and steadfastness. And if you allow him to do it, if you don't jump out of the lesson too early, it will finish its work. And there will be a time when you can look back and like those who have gone before us, they can declare the goodness of God uh, over their lives. And you will have an experience that you can then get alongside someone else who's had a similar experience and, and help them through it. just want to um, finish with a, a quote from J.I. Packer from the book Knowing God. It's a classic uh, Christian uh, book. Uh, and in, his, in it he writes this, We should not therefore be too taken aback when something unexpected and unsetting And discouraging happens to us. We should not be taken aback. What does he mean by this? Why simply that God, in his wisdom, means to make something of us which we have not obtained yet, and is dealing with us accordingly. It is often the case, as all the saints know, that fellowship with the Father and the Son and the Spirit is most vivid and sweet, And Christian joy the greatest, when the cross is the heaviest. Packer then suggests two ways of handling the trials of life when we cannot for a moment see God's purpose in them. First, by taking them as from God and asking ourselves what reactions to them and in them the gospel requires of us. Wow, I'm just going (laughs) to say that again because that's really profound. First, by taking them as from God and asking ourselves what reactions to them and in them the gospel of God requires of us. Second, by seeking God's faith specifically about them, praying for that wisdom. If we do these two things, we shall never find ourselves wholly in the dark as to God's purpose in our troubles. So can I... Encourage you this morning, whatever situation you find yourselves in, whether that be a, a real genuine struggle and trial at this time, or maybe even if it's a, I'm just over this, <laughs> to actually pause, consider it, and to know that the testing of our faith actually um, enables us to prove our authenticity of our faith. And it produces something in us that we can't find in any other experience. So although I try and avoid it, although I try and avoid the trials, although I try and avoid passages like this, I know that the truth of the gospel is that unless I live through it, unless I wrestle with it, unless I allow God to speak to me through it, I won't ever reach that maturity That completeness and lacking nothing because I can only get that through the testing of my faith that can only come through the testing of the trial. So can I encourage you where you're at this morning, maybe take some time out today to seek for that wisdom and to ask God to show me what are you doing? What are you saying to me about myself? What do I need to see from your perspective that perhaps I'm not seeing myself right now? What are you doing in my life? What are you producing in me? Perhaps you can't see it. Perhaps you can. Perhaps you're just on the edge of that. Don't get out too early. Let perseverance finish its work. Its work. Let that um, transition complete itself um, as you as you go through it. Let us pray together. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Uh, thank you, Lord, that you promise uh, to be with us in all that we do, whether that be uh, through the good times or the bad. You promise to never let us go. Lord, I just want to pray specifically for those who have been struggling in this time, uh, whether that be uh, immense pressure and stress, whether that be situations of immense grief, uh, or whether that be just a small Uh, scale, trial, Lord, wherever someone finds themselves. Lord, I pray that you would be active right now, speaking to them, uh, uh, unveiling to them, revealing to them uh, your purpose in it, and Lord, that they wouldn't do what our human nature um, desires and to run from it, but in sitting in it and allowing you, Lord, to move and work in it, that they would be growing that their faith would be uh, stronger, that they would know more about themselves, that they'd know more about you, that their, um, that their testing of their faith would produce in them something that they would never experience or never obtain in any other way. So I pray right now, Lord, your blessing. I pray right now, Lord, that your, your hand would be at work in people's lives, uh, revealing the truth and, and the goodness. And so that like James... We would with him be able to say, we consider it pure joy knowing that you are with us and that you are working through us and that you are bringing this to a close and for your purposes. Thank you, Jesus, for being at work in our lives, growing us, developing us, maturing us and giving us something that we would never, ever be able to have unless we'd be trusting you in the process of it. So, Lord, go before us now. I pray that you you, um, bless those who uh, have listened to today and ask that, Lord, you'd be doing a good work in them. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I'm just going to finish uh, this message really uh, with a reflection. Uh, As I was uh, sharing with Kathy uh, the theme of this morning's message, uh, she found a song, and it's a song that really speaks into Uh, all that we spoke about this morning. And I just want to use this as an opportunity for you to really be seeking God and to really be asking Him uh, what He's doing in amongst whatever you're going through in your trial, in your life right now. So use this as a prayer. Use this as a time of ministry. Invite the Holy Spirit to be at work in your life and ask Him to be uh, doing things in you as you listen to this song. Allow Him to minister to you and for the words to really speak to you as we wrap this up.
1: We pray for blessings
2: beautiful song uh, and just a reminder um, of what we spoke about this morning uh, and can I just say um, if you are experiencing uh, real difficulty right now feel free to reach out to myself or anyone on the partial care team who are just longing to walk through uh, it with you to pray with you uh, to, to be alongside you and uh, we don't want to be alone particularly uh, as the trials of life are around us so uh, if you find yourself in that this morning, and if it has been anything that uh, God has done and spoken to you in, please feel free to reach out uh, to us. We'd love to um, be there with you. Just a couple of uh, words as we finish this morning. I've got a couple of texts uh, through. Uh, June, June Sutton uh, heard heard something on, on trial and, and conflict um, this week, and she just wanted to share it. She says, We're not. To stand down, this is cowardice. We are not to stand aside, this is compromise. We are not to stand against, this is competition. We are to stand up, this is courage and conviction. That might be a word for you this morning. And uh, from Anthony Moore, and I just want to use this to finish off this morning. Um, He says, A wonderful old chorus we were singing earlier today... Isn't that amazing? seems to reinforce what God is doing in our midst. And he says, May this um, be the benediction for you. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning, new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. Amen. Well, I encourage you to, to join us next week as we look at part two of this series going from trial to opportunities. Uh, What opportunities are before us that are being presented to us that are perhaps just as a surprise as the trial that God is actually leading us in as a church and as individuals uh, out of this and into the future uh, in 2020. So I encourage you to, to tune in then. But until then, we'll see you then.